So I got a call from Kelly, my wife, this week, and she was kind of a little frantic, and she's like, you will not believe my day. She's like, I spent my whole day acting like a judge trying to arbitrate a matter between our three children. I have a 7, a 9, and 11-year-old, and my 9-year-old daughter came up with a scheme to make her brothers her servants for two weeks. And so she came up with this whole scheme. She said, guys, I want you to help me out, and here's what I'm going to offer in return. And she literally wrote out a contract right here. I have a contract that she wrote out. And so on the top here, it says bodyguard. So you'll be my bodyguards, yes, they wrote. A servant, and she wrote yes. And I asked her today, well, what's with the bodyguards? Like, are you this high profile that you need a bodyguard? And she actually told me that the reason she wants a bodyguard is so that one can protect her from the other. And so that was actually pretty smart. Um, and then they both signed it. So we got Landon and Cade, but you can see Cade crossed his out, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, and so they, her, their nickname for her is B-Baller because she loves basketball, and so it says here, sign-ups for two weeks for B-Baller Bryn. And then here it says, you get a break time. And then over here, I give you treats at the end of the day. And then sandwiched in the middle of it is, you do whatever I say. <laughs> so there you have it. Now... The, the reason I got this phone call from my poor wife was she said that as they were going through the day, Bryn was like, all right, guys, you said you'd do this. You signed the contract, and so I want to watch a show now. And, 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 and the boys wanted to skateboard, and, and they started to say no. And so Bryn got mad and fired them. And then eventually my wife said, honey, you can't fire them. They signed the contract. This is like a real deal thing. And so she's like, all right. She's like, well, what if I buy them, like, breadsticks and slushies and something from the dollar section at Target, then maybe I'll be able to get them back. And so they, they, they then came back on board, and they were with it. But then eventually, they both kind of got tired of it. So Bryn ended up buying them the breadsticks and the slushies, and right after they had it, they quit again. And so that's where we're at right now. We're still arbitrating this. Um, I was talking with them today, and they were arguing about who's right and who's wrong and who did this and who did that. But it's incredible to me that a 7, a 9, and 11-year-old can get so worked up about work, right? I mean, they're young. They're just supposed to be having fun, not signing contracts and having things arbitrated. And you know what? In our lives, we get worked up about work as well. Now, some of you guys are students. We have a lot of young people at this service. Some of you guys are back in that workforce. Um, Some of you guys have been working for a long time. And you know what? I think when we think about work and we think about being busy and having jobs or going back to school or a new semester or any of the things that maybe some of us in the room are going through today, it can get a little bit frustrating and discouraging. And there's lots of reasons. I mean, if you're working, and and this could be that you have a full-time job and you're kind of like on that career path that you really want and you're excited about that, but yet you've ended up in a place you're not so excited about or the things going on you're not so excited about, this even relates to you if you're kind of still on that path. You know, you're, you have big ideas about what the future holds, but right now you're working at a restaurant or you're mowing lawns. You're just not sure. You're trying to get there. Um, some of you guys, like I said, going back to school, there are just situations that kind of bum us out, that kind of get us frustrated, that get us discouraged, and they suck the joy out of our lives. I'm going to get into a little more of that in a minute. But I would guess that many of you would say you're unhappy at work or school. Okay, now let's just hit work first. Some of you guys probably have a task you don't enjoy, right? There's that part of your day or that part of your week, and you're like, I hate that part. Maybe it's getting up real early or it's staying up real late or it's having to do a certain thing, and you're just like, I hate that part. Either you leave it to the end because you're a procrastinator or you get it out of the way because you're smart. And so uh, I don't know which of those you might fall into. Maybe you have a boss or a coworker you, you just can't stand, 
like somebody that drives you crazy, and they could just be one of those people that's like the worst, and they just kind of take it all out of you, man. It's like when you spend five minutes with them, it feels like five hours. Uh, some, of we, some of us here, we probably think we don't make enough, right? And just like feel underappreciated in that way. Some of us feel like maybe we don't have the resources or the training to do our specific job well. Some of us just don't feel appreciated when it comes to affirmation or encouragement when we do something right. Um, students, some of you guys, you're going back, you've been back, and you found out, man, you got like the dreaded professor, the dreaded professor, or some of you high school students, you got this class, you wanted that class, and you ended up with the teacher that gives all these papers and whatever it might be, and so you're just dreading this next season of your life. Uh, some of you guys in the room, you may be stay-at-home moms or dads, and man, that is like crazy work, and, and there are days where you just have a lot going on, and you don't know how to make it all happen, and you're a little tired, and you're a little exhausted, and it feels like you have nothing left to give. And so whether it's work, or college, or grad school, or you're working on your doctorate, or it's just high school, or middle school even, some of you guys tonight, I want to talk about this whole idea of just getting worked up about work, because I think it happens to all of us. We get worked up about whatever it is that we're kind of having to put our hands to and really get to it, and it's kind of wiping us out, and it's kind of stealing a lot from us, and we're not the people we want to be because of it, you know? And I don't think that's God's will. I don't think it's God's will that you spend this year or this semester or the rest of your life in the job that you're in miserable. I don't think that's God's heart for you. And so, as we think about this, I don't think any of us are like, you know, this next year I'm just in prison because of the school I got, the classes I got, the professor I got, or man, I'm just so stuck in this place of work. Like maybe you thought it was going to be one thing and you got there and it's a completely other thing and you just feel imprisoned and you just go in every day and all you care about is getting out of there, getting paid and weekends. You're just like, just get me, get me through it because I don't want to think about all the rest. This is important for us to talk about because, guys, we work a lot, be it school or be it a job. We work a lot. It is a lot of our life. Smart people out there have said that the average span of life right now is about 78 years. So join a community group. And, uh, and so 78 years. And um, they've said that there are different ways kind of on the average that we spend our time. Uh, we spend 25 years of, of those 78 years actually sleeping. So that's kind of a good deal up front. Um, you spend two years of your life watching commercials. Did you know that an NFL game is 11 minutes of action and 63 minutes of commercials? So enjoy that one, right? Um, you spend three months of your life in traffic. Now, I'm convinced whoever wrote that did, does not live on Long Island, right? Because we spend about three months of our life every year in traffic, it feels like. Um, you spend apparently 1.5 years going to the bathroom. And, and some of you ladies are here like, you don't know my husband or my dad, man. Like, right? I mean, you, you can't get the guy to read anything. He gets in the bathroom, he turns into Stephen Hawking. He's like reading physics in there. Like, dad, all right, Einstein, we got some people got a shower out here, right? Um, ladies, ladies, here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm coming hard at you too, all right? You spend nearly one year of your life deciding what to wear. Um, and I didn't make that up. Don't throw stuff, okay? Uh, and some of you guys are like, no, 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 that's not even close to enough time. Like my wife or my mom, man, she's got one of those things from the laundromat that hangs all the clothes in the closet, and she tries on every outfit every day, right? And so we spend our time in all these different ways, but do you know what we do almost most? See, sleep took number one. But number two in your life and my life is we work. We work for 10.3 straight years of our life. That's 2,000 hours Every year. And you know what? I don't think it's God's heart 
that you be miserable for those 2,000 hours every year. And I don't think it's his heart that as you think about school and working hard and these different new things coming, because here we are school time again, I don't think it's his heart for you to trudge your way and drudge your way through this next year, this next semester. I think God has so much more for us than that. Tomorrow is Labor Day, right? And uh, in the 1800s, some smart people who had created some unions said, hey, let's have a day off to celebrate workers. And some of you guys are like, the only thing I'm celebrating tomorrow is I don't have to go to work. And some of you didn't even get the day off, maybe. Uh, School time is back again. And so it's time to get revved back up. And so as we talk about work, we have to realize some things. We have to realize that if we are miserable at work, then we are miserable other places as well. You see, don't just think like when you go to work and you're in misery that you don't come home miserable too. And so you and I, if we're miserable at work or school, we carry that weight back home with us. And the people closest to us, the people we should be the best to on this earth, take the brunt of it, don't they? And so I don't think that's God's heart. Also, if you and I, if we're miserable at work or school, then a huge chunk of our joy is ripped out of our life. And you know what? This is a big one. This next one. If you and I are miserable at work or school, then here's something I can guarantee. We are not in a place that God can use us. Right? Like if you walk into the office and you're like, just get me out of here. I don't want to be here. I can't stand this place. I hate my coworkers. I hate my boss. I just, I hate my professor. Just get me out of here. You and I then are not synced up going, God, just use me today. Help me to be a light to someone. Help me to encourage somebody. Help me to bring hope to somebody who doesn't know you. We're not in that place. We're just getting through it. And in that place, man, we're not fulfilling the role God put us on this earth to fulfill, which is to honor him with every ounce of our life, every aspect of our lives. Listen, everybody, God wants to use you in your school this year. He wants to use you in your job this year. He wants to use you wherever it is that you're going to put in your 2,000 hours. He wants to use you. And when you and I are just going through the motions and going through life and getting a paycheck, we will not be used by God in the way that we could be. What if we could actually enjoy this year? What if we could actually enjoy this next season of work? What if, ready? What if it's all about what's inside us, not what's outside us? You see, there are situations in every one of our circumstances right now that we could never, ever change. Right? You cannot change who your boss is. You cannot change the professors you got or the teachers you got or how much homework they assign. Or you, you just can't change those things. You can't change that employee that's always stabbing you in the back and always seems to be projecting their ideas louder than yours. And you, you can't change that. The one thing you can change is your attitude and perspective as you walk through those very same situations. And what if that were the thing that transformed your whole year when it came to work and school, and in turn, it transformed your home life because you're not coming home miserable anymore, and it transformed that chunk of joy that was ripped out of you, it places it right back in you, and you suddenly become an effective light in the hands of God at your workplace or school. You see, that's what's at stake in all this. That's what's on the line. And so as we talk about this today, I hope that you will just find a simple perspective change in scripture that we'll see here today that will hopefully change everything for you. And man, that will look forward to going to work on Tuesday, going to school on Tuesday. We'll be excited about what God might do in us and through us. And so I think that's the potential here 
tonight. And maybe some of you guys are like, all right, Doug, you're kind of like playing this up a little bit. Like, I'm not that miserable. Like, I kind of I kind of sort of like it or I kind of enjoy it. Or I, I mean, I can honestly say I love what I do. I love the people that I work with. I'm so thankful that I get to work here and do what I do. But we all have good days and bad days, right? And there's hard parts of all of our jobs or schooling. And so even if you're like, I kind of enjoy it, what if we still had this paradigm shift, which I think is going to be huge for us, even if we're in a good place, I think God could use us even more. And I think that we could have even more joy and excitement in what we do. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad that you're here in the room with us. And as we work through some of this, this applies to you as well. And there's going to be a couple times through the message where I want to talk specifically to you if you're not a follower of Jesus about midway through and then at the end. And so I hope you'll kind of stick with me. And so we're going to look at some things that Paul wrote today. Now, Paul was a guy who was a super religious guy. He kept all the rules. He was kind of a good guy in his own eyes. And really, when you kind of drew the veil back, he was a mess. And then God showed up in his life, and everything changed. And he began to influence literally the world for Jesus. And so he wrote some letters to some different friends he had in some places like Colossae and and Ephesus. And so we get those. Those are books of the Bible now, which is so cool. And so we're going to look at a couple of those today. And if you remember last year around this time, we did a series. We were talking about our core values. And I talked about some of these verses. And I know you remember everything I say in every message. And so I remember that you guys have that memorized and you're with me on that. Yeah, okay, sleep, sleep, people. Go ahead and sleep. And so uh, here we go. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. And the first word is going to mess us up. Okay, the first word's going to mess this up, and you have to stick with me for a minute while I explain a couple of things. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may be like, this is why I don't like to go to church, because of this first word, stuff like this, okay? And so first word, we're going to see who Paul's addressing. Ephesians 6, verse 5. This is who Paul's addressing. Slaves. He's going to write to the slaves in Ephesus some things about their attitude toward working hard and the way that they treat the masters over them. Now, this is where many of us would go, see, I don't like this part of the Bible. This is a part of the Bible I wish wasn't in there. Some of you are saying, this is why I can't believe the Bible, because if the Bible condones slavery, then I'm done, I'm out. I can't accept that. And hear me on this. I agree with you. What Paul's saying here does not condone slavery. And we've got to know a little bit about first century slavery. You see, slavery in the first century was nothing like you and I know of what's happened in America or other places around the world. You see, in the first century, slavery had nothing to do with race, and it had nothing to do with apprehending people against their will. In fact, the Bible says there should be severe punishment for anyone who does apprehend someone against their will and sell sell them into slavery, okay? And so what you have in the first century looks like this when it comes to slavery. You have people who were struggling financially that would actually put themselves into slavery. They were always to be treated well and fairly, which we're going to see in just a minute, and Everything written in the New Testament was actually written to protect a slave's rights, okay? And so you had people like doctors, lawyers, politicians in the first century who would actually find themselves in some financial trouble and put themselves into slavery for a season until they could work and find their freedom, okay? And so when you think of slavery, don't think our history. This is a very different thing. And Paul even told slaves, hey, work and find your freedom. Get out of the debt and free yourself from this, Okay? But here's what I really want to point out to you guys as we look at this today, is Paul's going to say some pretty challenging things about how slaves should work hard and treat those they work alongside and they work under. And so my thought is, how much more for you and I who aren't slaves? You see, I think that some of us are more miserable at our nine to five than some of these slaves were in their environment. 
And Paul challenges them to rise up and act differently and live differently. But just so you see here that this is a different type of slavery, because I don't want you to zone out for the rest of the message because of this. Ephesians 6, 9 says this. Paul, Paul he talks to slaves, but I want to show you what he says to masters first. He says, and masters, treat your, your slaves in the same way. Well, what's, what's the same way? Well, we're going to see that. It's how I'm going to show you the, the slaves were to treat their masters. But look what he says. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master, see capital M, that's God, okay? So God is your master and theirs is, is in heaven. And look what it says. And there's no favoritism with him. And so what Paul's trying to get across is, okay, masters and slaves, you are equals, God sees you as equals. And so this is not about classes or races or this person that is better than that person or should own this person or that person. This is a very different thing than what you and I are familiar with. And so now as we kind of hopefully understand some of that, and Paul is, you know, is, is helping us understand that, that God does not view anybody less valuable than anybody else or should be owned or any of that kind of stuff, I hope you'll now see what Paul says to these slaves, and, and, and how much more should this apply to you and I who are free, working, blessed on Long Island. I know it's hard to live here. I get it. I have the same stress as you and I do, but we're in the top 5% of the entire world. That's who we are here on Long Island when it comes to finances. And so how much more should everything Paul says to these slaves about trying to be honoring to their, their coworkers and to those that are over them and to working hard, how much more should that apply to you and, I. and so here's what he says, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Obey them, have respect for them, fear them, and have the sincerity of heart. Now this word fear doesn't mean be afraid of. Oftentimes in the Bible, fear is linked with respect. And so Paul's really just saying, all right guys, I know that this is a really hard situation to be in. And maybe that's what I'm saying to you today. You're in a really rough work situation. You're going, Doug, I'd love to be like this great example of Jesus at work, but I hate my boss. He might be the devil. Satan might be my boss, okay? And I understand, and I'm not saying he's not, okay? But what I'm saying is Paul, who understands these slaves are in some situations that are less than perfect and less than desirable, is still saying, hey, but there's something in you that matters. There's an attitude in you that can be transformational for your work environment. Look at you. I know he may be a mess. I know your boss, she may be a mess, but look at your heart. This is what matters in your heart. And so Paul says, okay, you know, respect and fear and work with sincerity of heart. And so when you and I think about our bosses and we think about our work environments, as we walk in, I just challenge you with some of these thoughts. Would you say that you respect those that are over you, whether they're right or wrong, whether they're good or bad, whether they're the worst person you've ever met in your life or the best person you've ever met in life? Would you say that you respect them and that you work for them with sincerity of heart? Some of you guys might be thinking, yeah, but Doug, I don't know how to do that. I gotta be honest. Like, they just drive me crazy. They push all the wrong buttons. They're, they're just domineering and they're just always putting me down, all these different things. Okay, well then here's where you start if that's your situation because I know we don't all, all have that situation, but here's where you start if that's your situation. One thing I can tell you to do Pray for them. Pray for your boss. Pray for your supervisor. Pray for that coworker that drives you crazy and, and always interrupts you when you're trying to share your thought. Pray for them. And I don't mean pray that they'll get hit by a bus or that they'll stop being such an incompetent fool. Right? Pray for them. When's the last time you prayed, God, I pray for my boss. I pray for his or her heart. 
I pray that you'll open their heart towards you if they don't know you. God, I pray for them. I know they have a lot of stress on their shoulders. I know they're making some really tough decisions right now. God, just give them great wisdom. God, be with that coworker. God, I don't know. They, I mean, I tell my kids this all the time. We tell our kids this, don't we? That person's treating you in a way because it's not a reflection on you, but it's a reflection on them. They're probably going through something really hard, and so they bring that into your friendship. But guess what? Why do the people at our jobs treat us sometimes poorly? Because the same thing is true in them. Who knows what's going on in their home environment? Who knows what's happening in their personal life, right? So to say, God, that guy drives me nuts. Or she has the worst ideas and they always get chosen. But God, would you be with him or her and would you be with my attitude for or toward them? And so just praying for them, I can guarantee you, is going to be a start. I've seen God give me love for people I didn't have love for because I started praying for them. It's really annoying, actually, how that happens. I don't want to love that person, but all right, I'm praying for him, and God begins to do that in your life. And so that would be a really huge thing. Now I think we get to the huge perspective change, though, okay? So Paul told us, okay, honor, serve, respect, with sincerity of heart, and then look at these next words, just as you would obey Christ. Wow. He's telling slaves, listen, when your master tells you to do something, don't see it as coming from your master. Obey them as if that was actually Jesus telling you to do it. And so here you have this whole paradigm shift, because what would change for you and I if we saw Jesus as our main boss? Now, I'm not saying picture your boss with Jesus' face on his head or her head. I'm saying Jesus really is your boss. He's over your natural earthly boss, isn't he? And so everything you and I do can be done for him. Here's what I want to challenge you. Two words I hope will kind of stick with you. This paradigm shift. Instead of working for your boss or working for the people around you or your coworkers or your paycheck, ready? Work up. Work up. Work for God. Work up for him. Everything you do. God, this is for you. I'm going to work up. I'm not going to work horizontally. I'm going to work vertically. I'm going to work for you. I'm going to work up. That everything I do, God, would be going up to you. Every attitude I have toward my boss, my coworker, my professor, my teacher, God, it's all going to be going up to you. Let it be worship to you. Let it be praise to you, God. I'm going to work up in the way that I deal with people, in the way that I do what they tell me to do. Now, obviously, I know some people are thinking, well, what if my boss tells me to do something I, sh- I know is like illegal? Or well, definitely obey Jesus. He's, he's over them, right? Okay, so you're not going to do something that's unwise or against Scripture. But ultimately, your boss, your professor, your teacher, ultimately is God. That's the perspective change you and I can have. That we would walk in and everything in us says, no, don't respect them. They don't deserve it. Don't respect them. They don't treat you in a way you should. No, but man, God sees it all. God is over my boss. God is the one I want to work for. I'm going to work up to him. Next, verse six, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. This is huge, isn't it? Right? This is a big deal, right? You know, don't pull the old George Costanza trick and sleep under your desk, right? No, when even their eye isn't on you, still working hard. Because remember, God's eye is on you and I, isn't it? All the time. And so God sees the conversations in the back room after the meeting. God sees the, the conversations out in the parking lot on the way out the door. God sees the attitude and the heart with which we do all that we do. And so remember, guys, you're going, but Doug, you don't understand. This is unfair. You don't, you don't understand my boss. Remember who Paul's telling this to. He's telling it to a group of slaves 
want to talk about people who could say it's unfair and this isn't right and shouldn't, things shouldn't be this way. And yet Paul's saying, okay, honor, honor God. And remember what's at stake here, remember. Okay, you could say, Doug, I don't feel like doing any of this. Okay, well, if that's the case, then you're probably going to just stay miserable and you're probably going to drag that misery home and a good chunk of your joy is going to be taken and God's not going to be able to use you in your work or school environment if you just go, whatever, I'm not going to listen to this, okay? And so that's what's at stake. Your joy and your uh, home life and your ability to be used by God in these different environments. And so he says, okay, don't just obey them when the favor is on you. And the next part says, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Okay, so God wills for you and I to work from our heart. And did you see those first few words there? But as slaves of Christ. Now, who's Paul talking to? He was talking to slaves of people. But Paul doesn't use that phrase there, does he? He says, but as slaves of Christ. He swaps people out for Christ. He's saying, don't view yourself as a slave of a person. View yourself as a slave of Jesus, that all that you do is for him. So you and I are employees of a person. I think what we need to do is begin to say, no, I'm I'm an employee of Christ. I'm going to work up. I'm going to work all that I am and all that I do going up to him to praise him and to honor him, whether my boss is the biggest jerk in the world or not. I have a great boss, and his name is Jesus, and this boss gave his life for me. How would you work for a boss that gave his life for you? And so be motivated by what Jesus has done. It's always about that response to what Jesus has done. And so I love, he, he talks about, you know, doing it with, from your heart. Doing it from your heart. Because we all know we can, we can work hard. But from the heart's a different thing, isn't it? Like when someone puts the heart into something, they're probably doing it with a great attitude. They're probably doing it with a smile on their face. They're probably doing it in a way that may even go above and beyond. They're probably being creative. Like we've all sat in meetings, a creative meeting probably, where somebody's trying to get a, a great thing, you know, a great vision produced. And like, all right, guys, let's just brainstorm. You know, everyone says the same thing. There is no box. Sky's the limit, right? And so you're trying to get this great idea out there. And, and you know when you're just sort of sitting there going like, all right, well, I guess I should get paid this week. So uh, how about we do this and that? And, and, and then you know those days when you are, you are in it. You are creative. You are dreaming. You're thinking big. You're, you're excited. You're passionate. And that's the heart that God desires for us to bring into our work environments, to our staff meetings, to our school this year. Students, bring that to school this year with you. You will not regret that at the end of the year. I never heard anybody say, you know what my problem was this last year? I just worked really too hard in school. I, I shot too, too high. My grades were just too good, man. I just, I really regret this past year working so hard. I never heard that in my life, okay? And then it says this in verse 7. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Work up. Don't work vert- uh, horizontally. Don't work sideways. Don't work forward. Don't work back. Don't work for the person sitting over there in the corner office that gets a great view. Work up. Work for God, wholeheartedly. Now look at what Paul says in Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Give it all you have. Treat people well. If you use your heart when you're working, you're going to treat people well. You're going to have that extra flair, man. You're going to have that extra excitement. You're going to have that extra passion. I know, guys, I understand. We have good days and bad days. We live in the real world, and we walk into work or school sometimes coming off a very difficult situation. But man, there can always be that heart of even walking in and saying, you know what? God's my boss today. I'm going to work up for him. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it. But I'm going to honor him because of what he's done for me. 
I'm challenging you. Next time the boss comes to you and says, hey, uh, I want you to handle this, this new assignment or this new thing, what would happen if instead of sort of just grabbing it and walking it away, or what would happen instead of huffing and puffing or, or maybe taking it with a smile on your face and then going and telling your coworker about how mad you are you got this new assignment? Like what if you legitimately just said, hey, it's my pleasure, thanks. Like he might faint, right? She might pass out right there on the spot, I don't know. But just imagine if over time that was the heart you brought, what God might do through you in that office. I would think you'd have some impact. I would think you might gain some attention from probably your boss and your coworkers. And they may start to ask questions like, what's with the attitude? Why, why are you acting that way? Why, why do you seem happy at work? Why do you seem like you're treating people differently? Why do you not want to like sit in the corner with me and gossip about the boss and the coworker and the like, what's going on with you? I'm seeing a change. And then what an awesome opportunity to say, you know what? I just realized that God's done a lot of my life, and I want to honor him even when I'm in the office. I want to honor him even when I'm in school. And you know what? I've been praying for my boss, or I've been praying for so-and-so. I, I guarantee that'll turn some heads in your office, and you'll begin to see God start to use you in some new ways. Then he says this. So he said, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Doing this for God. Why are you working so hard in accounting? Because I'm not working for Joe or Bill or Mary. I'm working for God. Why are you working so hard in school this year? Well, I want to get a scholarship. I would love to be in this field one day. That's great. But, but ultimately, because Jesus gave his life for me, and he loves me a lot, and one of the things that he is blessed by is when I use the gifts and talents and abilities to the best I possibly can. And you know what? For some of us, the best of our abilities is we're going to be a, a B student. Maybe not the A plus, like, you know, giving the speech on graduation day. But we're still going to work hard. And maybe it doesn't mean we ever become the boss or we, we branch out and we plant all these new offices. But, but we're giving all that we are, whether it's in the mailroom or it's the boardroom, right? And so just honoring God because of what he's done for us. And then to, to remove all doubt. To, to completely put the idea out of our head that we're just working for a person or a paycheck or a professor or a grade, Paul says this, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It is God you're serving. If you're in your office and you're going, man, I heard that guy talking on Sunday, but man, it just doesn't feel like I'm serving God. Paul is removing all doubt. When you work hard at school or home or whatever it might be, it is the Lord you are serving because you're working up. It's, it's a way that you and I honor him and praise him. And I love that verse in Scripture where it says that we should do good deeds and then others will see them and glorify our Father in heaven. And so the way you and I carry ourselves at work and school and at home, as we're working hard at home, others are going to take notice of that. And when we have opportunity then to share why we do what we do, they're going to glorify our Father in heaven. It means they're going to put their trust in Jesus. And so maybe not everybody, and maybe not all the time, but as you and I honor God in these different environments, he's going to make that difference through us. So this is powerful stuff. And some of you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may be saying, well, why, why work hard for God? Why do all this? Because Jesus served us. Because why should I serve Jesus? Because Jesus served me. God in the flesh served me and put himself on a cross in my place. And so not, not, not only do I want to have joy in life and do I want to have a positive work experience and school experience, but man, I want to honor the Savior who gave his life for me. And can we just all agree to, just a side thought, isn't there something really awesome about just working hard? 
Like when you come home after a good day's work, there's just something that feels good. And when we come home after a day's work, we were playing like Flappy Bird half the day on the screen, right? It's like, what? I, I just feel drained. I feel tired. Like I don't even know what, right? But when you and I, when we just work really hard, there's something satisfying about this. And I would say that that's your Savior putting his DNA in you. Because God works hard and God desires excellence, right? And so I would encourage you guys with all that's in me, man, just to have this new attitude, this new perspective to go in there. And look at Ephesians 6, 8, because God is so good. He's not just saying, do it because I say, do it because I say. Look at this. Verse 8, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So Paul is telling slaves, work hard, honor those See it as work for God. Work up. Don't work horizontally. Work vertically. Work up. And when you do that, God will reward you. God will bless you. And so I honestly believe, guys, as we head into school this year with a different perspective, as we head into work with a different perspective, that we're going to see tangible ways God blesses. We're going to see tangible ways. He he shows up in office. He shows up in school. He shows up in our families. And and you just see, man, God's at work. I mean, how cool would it be to begin to see God at work in our offices, in the places that we go to, uh, week after week, day after day, all these hours, 2,000 hours a year. I mean, those are 2,000 hours I would love to see God at work in our offices. And, you know, as we have this mission as a church to reach out to the community, you know who the best people in the whole world are to get inside these doors? It's really not the people that are going to drive by and see our signs. It's not the people at the Nisconset Fair next Sunday that we're going to be at handing out invitations at. No, it's the people in your lives and in my, and in my life. And so the people in our lives, man, that's the pool God's placed us in. And how awesome would it be to go in there with a new heart to say, man, God, use me. Use me there. Don't just let me survive. Don't let me just get through. Don't let me just be miserable and a mess. No, God, fill me up with you. Your Holy Spirit's inside of me. That's got to make a difference. And so, God, use me in my school or workplace this year. And so my thought for you guys to kind of walk out of here with today, I hope will stick with you guys, is this thought. When you get worked up about work, work up. When you get worked up about work, when you're throwing your arms up in the air, when you can't believe the boss did this again, when you can't believe the professor made this new demand, when you can't believe the syllabus calls for that, when you get worked up about work, work up. Look up. Say, God, this is for you. God, this is about you. This is about honoring you. You gave your life for me. Now I want to honor you, and I want to be used in my office. And so would you guys begin to pray for your boss every day or that coworker that drives you crazy or your professor a good habit that I got into maybe about a year ago is that every time I leave this building and I, I head home, I pray for my coming interactions with my wife and my kids. Just that it'll be a good night, a good day. The homework won't take seven and a half hours. It'll just be a good night, you know? What if we started to pray our way to work or school? And some of you guys have like a really long commute. Like I'd be praying for like three hours every day, right? Maybe you like make a landmark, you know? Like when I get on the tap and Z, I start praying. You know, I don't know how far you got to go, <laughs> When I cross the border, I don't know. I don't know how far you go. But, but you know, it's like, okay, there's my landmark. And, and man, I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start praying. Okay, that's it. Okay, I'm shutting off the, the, the radio. I'm shutting off the podcast. And now it's just time to pray. Pray for my boss. Pray for my professor. Whatever it might be. So start praying for that. Some of you guys, maybe you're miserable at work because you're overworking. Maybe you're not resting. Well, there's a little practical thing to throw in there. God's a great God. He says, hey, Work hard, but rest. 
Take a Sabbath. Rest. You need to rest. The, the Sabbath, the rest day was made for you to enjoy and refuel. And so work hard. Maybe some of us are working hard because we have to. You know, I've been speaking, speaking with a lot of like young married couples recently and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm like going to school, I'm working, I'm, I'm taking classes at night. Like, and that's a stage of life. Hang in there, you'll get through it. Work hard, okay? But life can't look that, like that long term. But maybe some of us are working hard because we just really like certain stuff or status. And can I just encourage you to let some of that go and make some less money and be happier and serve God? And, and maybe you can't. Maybe you're like, Doug, I wish I could. That sounds great. I just can't. Okay, well, work hard for this season and pray for a new season. But if you can recognize in yourself, I'm working extra hours because I like stuff or I like status or I got to keep up with the Joneses. It's time to say goodbye to the Joneses and it's time to say hi to your family, right? And just start to enjoy life. Um, sometimes it's just so wise to say, I could make more money, but I, I will be miserable. So I will not make that decision, right? And so, I don't know, let, let, God, let that land where it needs to. Um, and maybe God will lead you guys in a certain way. And so, man, if you and I, when we get worked up about work, we'll work up. We will find ourselves stop being so miserable and dragging that into our home lives. We will see a chunk of our joy put back in our lives. God will use us and God will reward us. And so, this week, when you walk back into the office on Tuesday or if you're going in tomorrow, some of you may be going later today, students, head back to school Tuesday, having been praying for your professor, having been praying for your coworkers, having been praying for your schoolmates, and, and expect that God could just use you. That while everything on the exterior may stay exactly the same or even get worse, if you and I walk in there saying, I'm going to work up, I'm going to work for him, I'm going to see it all as worship to God. I have to believe it'll make a difference in your personal life and in those environments. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we've talked a lot about what Jesus has done for us. We sang about it. We did communion and celebrated Jesus dying in our place. But I just want to encourage you with one thought because maybe you're, some of you are still a little bit hung up on this whole slavery issue. Let me just say this. We have a God who loves us so much that he came to earth as a man and eventually would be sold by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. And 30 pieces of silver is the price of a slave. And so you have a God that loves you so much, he literally took on the worth of a slave and was put on a cross to die in your place and rise back from the dead and give you and I hope. And so that's the God that we're talking about today, and that's the Bible that we read. It's about that God, the one who's done the unthinkable. And so you have a God who served you and become a slave that you would have life. And I would love, if you'd like to, in just a minute, for you to put your trust in Jesus as I pray. But this week and beyond, when we get worked up about work, let's work up. Let's honor God and let's see him make the difference in our lives and families and in our work and school environments. Would you pray with me? God, you've called us to work hard. You've called us to work with a good attitude. You've called us to, to make a difference. And that is not always easy. We work in a dark world. We live in dark neighborhoods and we have uh, difficult bosses and coworkers and professors and teachers and 
And yet, God, your heart is for us to be this light, that people would see our good deeds and glorify you. And so I just pray for help. I pray, God, you'll be with every one of us. I pray if it's just that simple step of beginning to pray our way to work, that, God, we would see a difference made. And that, God, you would transform the inside of our heart and we'd stop seeing, you know, the, the bills we put together or the lawns we mow or the kids we teach or the, the people we see in the doctor's office daily in our jobs or whatever it might be, God, that we'd stop seeing all that being done for a paycheck or a person or a boss, but, God, that we would see it being done for you. Help us to work up. Help us to honor you. And help us to enjoy it. And help our families to be blessed. Help, us to, help our families to get a different version of us walking through the door from here on out. And help our, our kids and our college students and our grad students, Lord, to, to get a, a different perspective as they head back into school this year. That, God, you would work mightily on the campuses of Long Island. So we thank you, God. And we ask for your help. If you're not a follower of Jesus, would you just think today about putting your trust in the God who became a slave for you? If you're a follower of Jesus, maybe take a minute, begin praying for your boss or a coworker. as I just speak with those in the room that might not be followers of Jesus. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's no better day than today than to put your trust in Jesus and to ask him to begin to make a difference in your life. And so if you want to do that this morning, you can just pray silently between you and God, something like this. Jesus, thank you for becoming a slave for me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for heaven, which I have not earned, but you have given. And so God, change my life. Show me how real you are. I thank you for this amazing gift of salvation. In your name I pray.